Fables, and before we get started and tell you about our amazing guests tonight, I want to talk to you about a couple of events coming up. The first one is Sexual Empowerment Circle happening next Thursday, September 21st at 7 p.m. in Claremont. If you want to come, please send an email to sexualempowermentcircle at gmail.com. It's a $5 donation discussion circle where you have the opportunity to ask any question you want about sex, love, and relationship. The next event we have coming up is the Cock and Pussy Project. I'm I'm, I'm actually not going to talk too much about that because I'm going to let our guest tell you all about it. Our guest tonight is... Dr. Hazel Grace Yates. She is the founder of the Cock and the Pussy Project. And we're excited to ask you so many questions about sex right now. I'm so (laughs) excited to answer questions. Hello. How are you? (laughs) Fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. So my first question, because I am an aspiring sex educator, maybe sex therapist, something like that. Not exactly sure yet. So my question is how it all started for you because I should inform the audience that your PhD is in human sexuality. That is correct. Okay. So could you talk a little bit about when you knew you wanted to traverse down this path and all that? I would love to talk about that. I spent the first 15 years of my life working with people with disabilities and I was clear that that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Mm. My master's degree, which very few people know, actually is teaching blind people how to use a cane to get from point A to point B. And then a very significant event happened at Burning Man uh, when I was 29 years old. And I discovered where my clitoris was. Okay. Had you orgasmed prior to that? I had orgasms. And what I understood at the age of 29 is I thought that my clitoris was my urethra. Okay. And I would tell partners, you can't touch me there. That's my urethra. It hurts. Mm. And what I was doing, I didn't know this at the time, obviously, I now know is all the times before that, I was only stroking my the shaft of my clit, which is not the clitoral head, but above that. Okay. So my the head of my clit actually never got touched or seen or looked at or I didn't even know what it was until I was 29 years old. Wow. And I also just want to name too that my first sexual experience when I was 16, I was abused by my sec- my by my boyfriend and I grew up in an environment that sex was dirty, bad, wrong and shameful. Mm-hmm. So that was also in my past. So yeah. this wasn't this was a significant for many many reasons, right. but primarily because of my past. Right. Uh, it was, so it was at Burning Man and it was an orgasmic meditation workshop Okay. okay. and I had complete fear and they told me what was going to happen. And I thought there's no way that I could go to that. So I want to go to that because <laughs> that's what I did. At, that's what I do and did at Burning Man is that if something scared me, I wanted to move towards it and face my fears. And I 
found a random person at my camp to ask them to be my partner in this clitoral stroking practice. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the the practice where someone straddles and just just uses a glove with oil? Yeah, it's a it's a fifteen minute yeah. clitoral stroking practice. Okay. It's a meditative partner sure. exercise, and. <clears throat> I remember going into the tent, into the dome, and I was watching the demonstration where there this woman, her pussy was out in the open for everyone to see, and I'm freaking out. And this man is stroking her pussy, and there we're instructed to share what we're feeling in our body, and people were saying, "Oh, I'm warm and hot and aroused and turn on," and I was. I was going into like panic over here and I was too afraid to name and to say what was what was happening. I was in I was in panic. I was in fear. I, I was thinking is is someone going to help that girl? What, <laughs> this is inappropriate that her pussy's out in the open. <laughs> Especially with all that dust. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. yeah. Although the dome was quite lovely and clean and it was it was sweet. So, I still don't know I still don't know how I had the courage to keep going and to Mm -hmm. say yes to this person that I had met hours before. Mm. And the first time he put his finger intentionally and gently on my, the head of my clitoris, which was for the first time, it felt like glass, like shard of glass. It Mm -hmm. was so painful. Mm -hmm. And we got, we got, we, he stopped, we got help from the instructor, they coached us, and it was literally seconds after he, he did some air stroking, so intentional, just not even touching, and then he was able to touch it with a well-lubed finger and intention and gentleness, and it went from pain, sheer pain mm. to sensation and pleasure that I literally had never experienced before in my whole life. Yeah, so... Fast forward to the next day uh, after I discovered my clitoris, I had I participated in a four-hour-long heart-centered tantric orgy puja ceremony, nice. and it concluded with me being fucked by three men around me and the rest of the group witnessing with reverence and honor. And there was this moment, the first, this yeah. moment of, oh my gosh. I am a woman, I'm a human, and I'm and pleasure is good, and I'm celebrated, and, and all that shame and all that pain was gone. And Aww. and I shouldn't say all, because I'm an onion, and there's an ongoing okay. layers, but like it felt like all of it was gone in that moment. And the next day, the way that I was moving in space, the way that I felt in my body, the way that I carried myself, I was really clear in that moment. I want to be this for other people to support them through transformation. And it was a very quick entry into becoming a sex positive professional soon thereafter. Very awesome. That's an amazing and really intense story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm kind of intense. All right. So since then... What has been, I think I'm probably going to know your answer to this. What has been one of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Oh, yeah, you know, you know this. <laughs> I, I mean, the cock project and the pussy project. Um, 
I mean, it is what I got my dissertation in. So my dissertation is a model designed to integrate men and women in the evolution of healthy male sexuality. Mm. And AKA the cock project, although the term cock project's not in the dissertation. Um, and it's interesting because it was a bit of an accident how the project came about. Mm. I thought that I was on the planet to help women because that was my story. I was sexually abused and then I had this transformation. So I thought I was here to help and empower women and I still am and I still do. And there was a distinct moment that I got hit with this wall of this realization of this thing that I had never seen and I couldn't unsee and it was so loud and it was, was gonna, I'm going to get a little woo-woo here. This is a woo-woo trigger warning. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're going um, with I'm it. compatible. Oh, compatible, perfect. <laughs> compatible. I love that. I got a direct message from Spirit Source Universe, whatever you want to call it, that said the root of humanity suffering is in male sexual shame. Mm-hmm. And I and I have I have some tears even like remembering that because I think it was just so shocking that I had never considered. I really, I don't think I'd ever actually considered what's it must, what is it like for a man in our society to grow up as boys and as teenagers and as men as sexual creatures? Right. I've just been focused on my pain and my story and my suffering. Right. But there's this whole half of the humanity that I hadn't even considered because I was right. still going through my shit. Yeah. So then I was really excited about creating, I, I went online to find the cock monologues like where's the answer to the vagina monologues yeah and there was nothing and then i was clear that i was going to create a play i was going to be the one so when i needed to get stories from men and so i created a workshop in boulder about four years ago and it, it was i called it the cock project there wasn't much thought of the name it just came out it's catchy. Yeah, it's pretty good. And it's in your face. And yeah. it's pretty clear about what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about cocks. Um, <laughs> and I invited women to participate and listen and hold space for and just witness. 80 people showed up. Wow. 80 people showed up before I was even the public figure, sex positive educator that I am. Mm-hmm. Like no one knew, you know, this was the beginning of beginning ish of my career. And obviously it resonated with a lot of people, whatever. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you had a description of what it was and people read it and they were like, yeah, I want to go to see this. Cause they're fucking hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hungry for cock. <laughs> they're, it, it, cock owners and men are hungry to speak. Mm. And women, I believe women are hungry to listen. Yeah. What was the breakdown? Like 80 people, how many women, how many men? It was 50 men. Okay. And 30 women. Okay. And I, I want to name, this is, we're talking about the initial night that I did this, and this is four years ago, and there's been an evolution around the gender diversity. It, back then it was men and women. And what I do want to name and say that now the Cock and the Pussy Project, well, now we also have the Pussy Project, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But what I want to I want to name is that the Cock Project is for anyone who identifies as having a cock is welcome to share their stories. So we're gender diverse inclusive. Right. Like it's not about gender, it's about having a cock. That's Actually, it's not about having a cock, it's how you identify as having which genitals do you identify as having. Okay. So, for example, someone 
you might look at their genitals and you might say, that's a cock. And they might say, actually, this is my pussy. So okay. I'm not interested in what it is. I'm interested okay. in how you identify it. That that's And then the Pussy Project is for anyone who identifies as having a pussy. But we're talking about the first night that okay. happened. Okay. 50 men showed up. 30 women showed up. I was blown away. I couldn't believe mm. how vulnerable and real and the tears and the joy and the celebration and the horror and the trauma. And they were just so fucking generous and open and here, here, here's what happened to me. Here's what really happened to me. And the women held such beautiful space and the real magic actually came at the, well, it's all magic, but the real magic to me when I was realizing what had actually occurred, there was a woman who at the end said, I came in here tonight with a hard heart towards men. And I mm-hmm. assumed that men wanted one thing and they were this way and that they were the enemy and that I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. And she said, I realize how much, how similar they are to me and that we've suffered the same sufferings yeah. and I feel closer to them ever than ever before. And my heart is soft towards them. And it was in that moment when I knew that this thing was complete magic and mm-hmm. I've spent four years and my PhD refining and sophisticating this process to what it is today and including the Pussy Project which is the reverse, right? It's right. Um, inviting people who identify as having pussies to share their stories and then anyone who wants to sit in the witness circle anyone gender, even even pussy owners and women can sit in, this, in the witness circle but oftentimes it's it's mainly female identified in the center and male identified in the outside for the pussy project. Yeah. So I went to the last cock project you did here in San Diego. I actually helped you with it and it was super awesome. And there is another one happening in San Diego on October 14th. And I'm super excited to be involved with the pussy project add on Really excited about that. Uh, but can you, for our listeners, kind of give a little rundown of if they come on October 14th, what to expect, what the day will be like? Absolutely. And and also to highlight, San Diego has not yet experienced the Pussy Project. Right, they right. have only experienced uh, the Cock Project. Right. Yeah. And the birth of the Pussy Project was actually February of this year. So I did the Cock mm. Project for years before I did the Pussy Project. And then I, I recognized the the hole that it was and the balance that it is to have both. And yeah, so the day is 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock. We will start with the Cock Project. And it's a three-hour process. The first 45 minutes, we focus on setting the container so that everyone's on the same page, agreements, boundaries, and we do really powerful communication exercise. And I will say that people walk away. They'll say, sometimes they'll say the communication exercises we do at the beginning are so transformative. And sometimes at that that's what they get the most out of it because it, it, it impacts every relationship in their life when they move forward with these powerful, potent skills. Mm-hmm. So after we set the container... We will invite a room shift. So we're all sitting in a circle, all genders. And then 45 minutes in, we invite the inner circle. So anyone who identifies as having a cock sits in the inner circle. Sean, my co-facilitator, will be sitting in the circle with the cock havers. And he will ask questions 
What was it like the first time you ejaculated or had an orgasm? What do you like about your cock? What do you not like about your, I'm sorry, what do you like about your genitals? What do you not like about your genitals? Um, share a time that you felt a connection between your heart and your genitals. And there's a talking piece and people can share as much or as little as they want. No one has to share. And it, this goes for about an hour and a half in the outside circle where I'll be sitting. We are holding reverent, sacred, compassionate space and just listening and oftentimes what happens the witness circle is even though on the outside we're asking them to be a bit stoic and statue statuesque as we're listening there's fireworks of emotions happening walls being shattered assumptions being broken tears being had heart being melted and um, pain being felt and so at the end of the circ- at the end of that hour and a half where the inner circle is sharing, we invite the outside circle to share, stand up one way one if they want. What when so they're instructed to say it in this particular way. When you said this thing, I felt this mm-hmm. and the difference it made for me is this. And what's so precious about this particular dynamic is in our culture, boys and men are taught so much to shut half of who they are off yes. and to be tough and to not ask for help and to not show your weakness. And for them to experience what it's like to be positively regarded mm. after they've just shared their guts, their heart, their cocks, yeah. there, there's no nudity, but just talking about their right. cocks. Um and then they're they're met with love and celebration and appreciation and gratitude. But more more important than anything is the they, the outside circle, the witness learns something because they because the inner circle was so willing to be vulnerable. The outside circle was transformed and learned, and now they're going to be different moving forward. And you know, for example, one of my favorite things that I see happen on the witness circle, I've heard parents of children say. Oh my goodness, tonight I'm going to go home to my seven-year-old, to my 10-year-old, mm. to my 12-year-old, and I'm going to talk to them for the first time So awesome! about their sovereignty of their body and that so pleasure is okay awesome. and welcome yeah. and wow. here's some lube and this is a good idea and this is a bad idea. And okay. I, you know, and, and the exciting part about that learning is I'm not telling them to go, I'm not telling the parents to go do this. Yeah, they're right. just doing it on their own accord. Because they, they, they see it. it. They feel they it. Feel it yeah. And they say, I don't want my child to be in this circle sharing their shame story 20 yes. years from now. Right. That's beautiful. Right. That's, uh, yeah. And then we go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the Pussy Project is the reverse. Yeah. And I'm in the inner circle. And So uh, can you give us uh, some examples of questions that are asked during the Pussy, pussy Project portion? What I actually love about both circles is in by and large they're the same questions. Oh, okay. Sans we ask about menstruation oh, right. for the pussy havers. Yeah. Um, we we don't ask that about the um, cock havers. Okay. Um to other than yeah. that they're largely same the same questions. Very cool. And you know some of the differences between the two different circles there there's usually a lot I'm generalizing, 
but there's usually a lot more anger and a lot more tears <laughs> with the pussy yeah. project sharers and yeah. a lot more emotion and a lot more stories of having been violated. Yeah. 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 I mean, we live in a patriarchal society and um, objectification of women starts at a very early age and the shaming and all that stuff. So I, I totally understand where that would come from. Yeah. But not just that. Sorry. I, I want to interject that. I'm always fascinated with the biological aspect of these things and people who have pussies often have a biological makeup like estrogen. There's there's a reason why so many women, you know, there's a stereotype that women are crazy because estrogen plays a role in how our emotions are carried out, you know, and we feel we feel emotions very deeply and very intensely because of our biological makeup. There's a there's two really great books that I quoted a lot in my dissertation. I want to plug here. The yes, Female please. Brain and the Male Brain by Luann Brizendine. Okay. Those are two separate books? They are book? two separate okay, books cool. by the same author. Okay. And whew. I'm going to... Buy it because that sounds fascinating. It, it's so good. But what I wanted to say about what you just said, Nicole. Mm. So there is, I believe in the research that I've researched, that there is a biological difference and that emotion is mm. more um, natural to female bodied, female bodied humans. And then we also have, so for example, this is a perfect example. <clears throat> Well, this is actually about relating, but they did they did a study where they calculated how many seconds did infants hold the eye contact, uh-huh. boys versus girls, uh-huh. and girls, I don't remember the exact thing, but something like two times as long, mm. because mm. there's a biological uh, usefulness for girls to develop relationships right. and connections as right. our strength of how to survive in the world right. and right. boys are more about doing um, how to, understanding how things work and right. move and yeah. fix right. and so for, from an early age not only are, we, are women typically biologically we have more estrogen and emotions but we're also supported culturally and right. socially right. to feel our emotions and to right. share how we feel totally. so, so we've got so, and then, and then, and then the boys that are often oppressed and like don't right. don't do that, and so it's it's like it's, there's like a double whammy right. for for a lot of boys where they they aren't they don't biologically they don't have it, and then right. socially they they aren't yeah. supported in learning how to feel yeah. first, be aware of what you're feeling, and then second, how to communicate that. Right, right. So I just want to give you a little bit of background about myself. So I I've been I've. I've identified as queer without telling anyone since I was very young. And it was only recently that I actually came out and I've been kind of flowing back and forth between, you know, masculine and feminine. And lately I've been feeling a lot more masculine and I've been feeling more comfortable in my body and, and I want to embrace masculinity more. And I was just having such a hard time before connecting with men. And it was just, it's so crazy here, especially in the States, not so much like in Europe and other places I've been, but it's so hard to just just sit with someone and have a real discussion about things. It's just so superficial. It's uh, it's very difficult. And then as an emotional person too, I have almost, I think I just have maybe 
a handful of friends that I can actually talk about, you know, talk to about my emotions. So it's it's very limited. So I just decided to create a, a men's fellowship group to see if we can get more men to discuss the same thing. So I'm gonna send them your way. Awesome. You know, yeah. we have um, we have because she she also does like personal coaching and therapy yeah, and stuff. I am totally referring them to you. Great. Um, when I meet them. Awesome. So we're we're just starting. So. That's so great. Yeah. We yeah, we, we do. And I think there's so, I, I say this often, there's so much value in men's circle work and women's circle work mm-hmm. and queer work and going into our pods of like people for us to do our, our inner work. And what the Cock and the Pussy Project is, is an invitation to for us to come together. It integrates. Integrate. Yeah. Integration. Yeah. So, because what I say is that we have, over time, co-creatively, the genders have caused wounds and pains in, mm-hmm. with one another. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the way for us to begin to unwind that is to co-creatively come together. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. What I'm inviting people in is just to share and listen. Mm-hmm. And transformation happens in yeah. that invitation. Right. And not to mention the powerful aspect of meeting people who you can continue to have these conversations with out once you leave the event. That's a big one for me when I go to these events is I'm actually putting myself around people who I can be myself with and I can go and hang out with later on and continue these conversations. Yeah, creating community, actually yeah. showing up in person and getting mm-hmm. away from our computers and our phones and engaging in lot. Wait, what was the term? IRL in real life. Yeah. Is that what it means? God. <laughs> like, can someone please tell me what TFW stands for? I cannot figure it out. I can't, but there's young listeners out there who are laughing I at us. Like, I, I know just, you don't know what that is. I, I can't even, you know. It's okay. <laughs> LOL, BRB, I get it. That's, that's, that's been around for a while, but these new... I feel like everyone's just just turning things into letters and I'm like, I can't read your mind. I hey, don't Nicole, know. You can just that's... make up your own and okay. just be cool. Be cooler than the kids. <laughs> All right. So can you tell everyone how they can get a ticket to the Cock and the Pussy Project happening in San Diego? Or in general, happening anywhere because you're going you go on tour with this. I am I can now say that I'm going around the world. Right, yeah. right. I'm going to Sweden in October. Yes. That's really exciting. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we're traveling. Sean and I, Sean is my, uh, he's my co-teacher yeah. and business partner. And I primarily lead, co-lead them with him. And we're traveling all over the country. Mm-hmm. And all of our events can be found at my website, hazelgraceyates.com. There's an event page there and you can find it there. Okay, cool. And we'll link to that on the podcast. So, Hazel Grace, you also offer amazing coaching sessions. And I think that the work you do with people is amazing. And I would like to give them an example of your style. Mm. So, what I'm thinking is... I'll ask you a question about an obstacle I've been facing in my sex life. and Yes. You feel up to that? I, I'm noticing I'm, um, my, my pussy just squeezed itself a little bit and I'm getting a little <laughs> bit nervous and excited at the same time. 
Bring it I, on. I'm getting nervous. I'm about to out myself. I'm this is like, a real thing. This, this is a real th- Yes. Okay. This is a, right. I mean, Go you're squirming it. a little a bit. Thing. Okay. I love you. Okay, you're safe. So, <laughs> okay, so I was the girl, I was the little girl who sat in front of Disney, Disney movies all day long and got very addicted to fantasizing about Prince Charming showing up and being perfect and saving me and living my fairy tale happy ever after life. And as I've gotten older, I'm wise enough now to understand how I have blocked myself in life from being attached to this fantasy of perfection that doesn't exist. And even though I am smart enough to know what I'm doing, I still do it. And I'll give you more of a concrete example. So I get very, I'll get very fixated on a certain person and I don't feel an attraction to anyone else. And the reason that's a problem is because this person could be a hot guy I saw at the gym who I've never even talked to. But all of a sudden, I feel like an intense attraction to them. And maybe like, you know, when I'm slipping into fantasy land, I'm using their face as the mask of my fantasy creature that I'm fantasizing about. And I start becoming even even more attached to this attraction. And yet I meet people all day long who are actually there in front of me, who I can establish connection with. And I can't feel an attraction for them because I'm attract, I'm attracted to this fantasy person in my head. Mm-hmm. Does this sound really fucked up? <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's different. This is a very vulnerable share. No, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, no, I don't think it's uh, strange. Doing it. So the first thing I just want to say, and this is like going into how I work, is I am inviting you actually in this moment just to take a, a few deep breaths. Yeah. And... I just want to acknowledge you for the courage right now for you to reveal that to us in the room, but also all the people that are going to share this and just thank you for the gift that is for whoever's listening to that, that that just made the difference for you even just sharing that. Right. right? And I also believe that sometimes when we can say the things we're most afraid of out loud mm-hmm. that you've already done tremendous work towards mm-hmm. releasing that. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say you're, you're already doing the work. Well, I also want to add that this is one of those little secrets that a lot of people don't talk about. Like a lot of women and men too, mm. a lot of people do this and it's like no one really admits to it. And you just did. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> In hearing you share, there's, there's like, two different things that I just want to speak to. One is I believe, again, based on what I've, based on my personal experience and based on the research that I've read, that that 
and this also comes from actually um, Luann Brizendine's work, is the idea that some of us are more designed in our DNA to be monogamous people, and there are some of us that are designed more to be polyamorous people. So just mm-hmm. even hearing what you were sharing, it's, it's like, oh, okay, great. So you might be a type of human that's mm-hmm. loyal and committed and a monogamous, and mm-hmm. once you go into a relationship, that's mm-hmm. where your attention goes. Mm-hmm. And to not make a good, bad, right, or wrong, but just mm-hmm. to celebrate and be like, okay, cool, that's, mm-hmm. that's how you show up in a relationship. So that's just one piece right. to not make yourself wrong about you being the way that you are. Right. No, that um, that part I'm okay with. It's like going back to, you got it. I, I do. But I also just wanted to name that right. in case there was any any anything that going on there. Yeah. Okay. So then, so the other part here is <clears throat> what we persist, res- uh, what we resist persists. Right. And... It's it's the thing that I would actually say is in some way take action to confront whatever this is that all of your energy it's essentially all of your energy is going towards this person. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to somehow actually say this to that person. And if you don't have, if it's not in your capacity to actually, like, let's say it's a celebrity, you can't actually call the celebrity, then you could do some role playing with someone. And this is one of my secret gifts, secret tips, whatever it is that I coach people around, which is actually being radically transparently honest and revealing ourselves. But I, but I invite people to do it in a very particular way. So if you were to actually confront this let's just say this guy at the gym right yeah. let's just yeah. hypothetically say that yeah. i always invite people to lead with vulnerability mm-hmm. so before you're going to say whatever it is you're going to say notice track what you're feeling check in with what you're fe- what you're aware of internally and name that thing and oftentimes it's i'm feeling i'm feeling a lot of fear or i'm oh, feeling really yeah. nervous or oh, i'm feeling yeah. really shy and what that does is when we can name what we're feeling oftentimes that in itself just by even naming it can dissipate mm-hmm. all that energy and all that charge so it has you be more relaxed and present possibly the other thing that it does is when you lead with vulnerability it often invites and welcomes and opens somebody else's vulnerability so even if they were a no to you it's possible that that that, that no might be softer or that they might be more interested in, in remaining in connection, even if they are no to whatever it is that you're asking. And just taking the risk to find out if there is interest there so that you can pursue it or you can stop. I mean, it's, I mean I'm going to use this word. It feels a little bit extreme, but stop wasting energy right. where there's no, no fruit. Yeah. Just get yeah, closure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, get closure. Yeah, I'm very like, as soon as I know someone's not into me, I'm good. I'm, I, I, I unattach. I don't yeah. hold on. It's the not knowing. And that can get really messy when you've never like even talked to the person. So um, how did that land? And what came up for you? As I said that, what, which part? As a suggestion to go talk to them. Yeah, my, um, my, what landed for me was not just in this situation, but any situation. I want, I'm, I'm constantly wishing that I would be more vulnerable, that I would speak up more about an attraction I'm feeling for someone. And I just, I can, I, I, I need help. I'm asking for help on specific wording 
that you might use? Because I'm like, well, if I say this, is that too much? Is that weird? Is that creepy? Or if I say this, is that not enough? Well, I would say that if this person is a match for you and there's attraction there, that no matter what you say, it won't be too much or too awkward or too weird. If it's a match, whatever you say is going to be perfectly brilliant because it's a match. And if it lands weird or is too much, then it's probably not a match. And you've just both saved okay, yourself well, some time. Let's let's talk about like okay, so let's so we're so keeping <laughs> with the guy at the gym, let's say I walk in, I see dude working out. What do I I'm like I just go, like when he's done working, I just go up to him and say, Hi, I'm Nicole. Like I see you here all the time and I've always wanted to talk to you. You start with being vulnerable. Say, I really want to talk to you, and right now I'm feeling really nervous and shy. And my truth is I've wanted to come talk to you for a long time, and I want to introduce myself. And then what if he says, well, what do you want to talk to me about? And I'm like, do I say I just honestly just think you're really hot? (laughs) Try that. That sounds great. I mean, is that too much? No, I feel like that's, if I was that person, I think you'd definitely pick my interest. I don't know. I just I'd at least want to find out more about you to see like what you're about. I mean, it's just a beginning, right? You're just opening a door. I guess if, if a guy came up and did that to me, I'd be like, uh, I'm really overwhelmed right now. Yeah, and you and might be. Yeah, and so that's what she was saying about match, you know, right? Like if, okay. you, if that's too much energy for you, too much yeah. directness, <laughs> then... And the other thing too is this is this is these are a few magic words that I'd like to use, which is I want to share something in service of in service of. So I want to I want to talk with you in service of making a connection. I want to talk with you in service of the possibility of us connecting later. I want to talk to you in service of me mm-hmm. letting go of this thing that I've been obsessing about for months yeah. or right. So it's like it's like getting clear on your intention and making that intention explicit. And the and the magic words that I use is in service of. And this is really useful in relationships too. Like, hey, I want to talk to you about something really uncomfortable in service of us feeling more connected. Yeah. I feel disconnected right now. Yeah. All right. I have a question for me. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's say that you're in a relationship and you've been together for many, many, many years. How do you go about continuing to explore this person and, you know, in, in the in presence of just, you know, the everyday, just, you know, monotony of life and things like that. How do you keep expanding on the... Because I know, I mean, people are so deep. I mean, human beings are marvelous creatures. There's so much... I mean, we're practically divine. How do you just dive in deeper and deeper? I have a resource. One of my favorite books that I love by Esther Perel. It's called Mating in Captivity. And her whole book Mm, basically talks about the uh, dynamic of long-term relationships. And one of the things that she highlights... I mean, just everything that she says in that book, I think it's it's quite brilliant. And some of it's a little bit in your face and it's like, ooh, Esther, she doesn't hold back. And I really appreciate her style. Sometimes what happens is if there's too much safety or there's too much familiarity, then there's lacking of passion. And so the first thing that I invite couples to look at is where is your sovereignty? Mm. Where is your want your ownness 
versus your usness? Is mm-hmm. there room? Is there space for desire to show up? So sometimes people can get too enraptured, and then sometimes it's the opposite, where there's not a connection. So it would really be like um, not not trying to address the problem with the solution, but what's what's the root of what's happening? Mm. Getting underneath to what, what you know the breakdown. You know, and the other thing too is um, this is just a really simple take home thing that you could do, which is uh, two two things that I I invite couples to play with, which is. Re, uh, write out your fantasy list or your th- turn on things or things that you've never explored or tried. Each of you make a list and then share with one another and set up dates and yes, actually experiment and have lab nights. Uh, and then the other... Oh, I was lab say nights? Oh, that? I'm sorry. Lab nights. Lab nights would be something like, so tonight... I want to learn. I want to work on female ejaculation. Mm-hmm. I want to. That's what I want to work on. Okay. I'm not interested in us leading it, come and going to penetrative sex. But I just want to have an experiment where we practice this thing, and you just practice that mm-hmm. thing without the pressure or the expectation of doing anything else. And you have a really clear intention container about practicing or working on something or creating, um, so that there's not pressure or expectation. You know, sometimes I, I hear oh, I hear this from women all the time. I don't even want to cuddle with my partner because I don't want the pressure of us leading to sex. Sex. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you could set up the container of, I really want to cuddle with you tonight and I'm not interested in it going to penetrative sex. Beautiful. Yeah. Can we create that? Does that work for you? Um, I was going to say something else, but I, Oh, Oh, here's the other thing. Ah, I love this one. (laughs) Um, I'm for some reason I'm feeling a little nervous and shy about saying this one. Something else that could be really fun for couples is each of them go home and they pick out five, if they're into pornography at all, um, five different scenes in mm, pornography yes, that that yes. really turns them on, and then sharing that with with one another. Yes. And it, again, people have different feelings about pornography. Um, but using, if, if people are already using porn, bringing that into and allowing that erotic energy from the porn be a, a tool for the relationship and yes. adding fuel and flame and passion. Mm. Not, not, not becoming a dependent crutch per se, right. but just adding to the tools that we have as our, our, with our sexual partners. Right. Great. That's really good advice all around. Yeah, I agree with you on the whole, you know, the... The more polarity you have, the more tension, the more just explosive energy that happens, right? So when when couples are together and, and they become one person essentially doing the same thing and they don't bring new energy into the relationship, basically it just becomes neutral. There's no potential anymore. You right. Know, there's no... And Esther Perel says... Yeah. Can we desire or can we want what we already have? I see. So if it's already here, there's no room for desire. And mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was either Gottman or Perel who said this, but it was something about couples that it was probably Esther Perel. Couples stated when they felt the most attraction or the most desire for their partner is when their partner was away from them or they weren't 
like in close proximity. Mm-hmm. Right, like right. when they went on a trip, they desired them because they weren't here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or or if they were across the room and they were looking at them and they don't actually have them because it's like that. Right. It's it's inviting that that dating thing. It's like, is it going to happen? Is right. it not? And like, right. oh my gosh, I want that thing that's not right in my face right in this moment. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Not saying that that's always the solution, but that's one place to look. The build up. The build up. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it takes intentionality. It takes yeah. it takes time. It takes um, being purposeful, yeah. and it doesn't that that oxytocin cocktail that happens in the lustful yeah. six to eight month stage at the beginning yeah. of the relationship, uh, which is a very real alchemical reaction in the body, yeah. doesn't happen five, ten, twenty years in the relationship unless there's some intentionality around it. Right. And the other thing I will say too is if couples really are facing that, seek out a sex therapist, seek out mm-hmm. a somatic sex educator or a sexological body worker or tantra. a tantra educator, tantra healer. There's professionals that are designed to support people when they get to, to that place. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us a little mini therapy session. I feel, that like, was, I'm, I t- I feel excited right now. Just yeah, like, yeah. I feel like I have new energy. Like, Me too. And, uh, I, such I a want treat. to learn more. Yeah, right. So. Great. You can go to my website, hazelgraceyates.com yeah. and yeah. learn more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And I also just want to let you know that if anyone has a desire to work with me, that first of all, check out my website to see if it resonates with you. But I also offer a 45 minute discovery conversation, which helps us to determine if I would be a good fit to work with someone one-on-one. I, I have a four month program called your sexually empowered life that I support people through. And, um, I, I mainly work with people long distance through zoom or Skype. And when I'm in town, if people want to work with me, I I can do in-person sessions as well. Okay, so before we wrap up with our final question, can you tell us about the retreat that you're doing in Texas soon? Yes, I'm so excited. Okay, let me take a breath because I got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the date of it. Um, it's called Reveal, Bringing Our Genitals Into the Light. And it's November 10th through the 12th. Okay. And it's equidistant between Dallas, Austin, and and. Houston, so it's really sweet because you can fly to any one of those okay. and be okay. relatively close to it. So that's, um, and what it is is a, a weekend retreat where we come together in community and experience sacred erotic space where we focus on education and healing and celebration and play and getting people really embodied in their yeses and 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 claiming and owning their desires and their and their um, boundaries being honored and, and really us coming together and bringing our genitals into the light with some beautiful ceremonies and it's going to be amazing. Can you talk <laughs> a little bit about one of, what like one of those ceremonies might be like? Give people more details? Um, well, we do a lot of, I'm gonna, I was going to say puja, but some people not, might not know what a puja is. Um, so, so I will say this. So for example, keep in mind that no one has to take their clothes off, but we will do one of them will include like a genital gazing, for example. Oh, okay. And so that would look like, uh, 
half of the group sitting in the circle outside of the circle and having their genitals exposed if they'd like. And the inner circle sits with someone on the outside and they just sit there. It's like eye gazing. Right. But gazing into their genitals and just breathing, Mm. not saying anything, not doing anything, not going for the genitals for clinical or clean reasons or fucking reasons, just simply looking at them. And that's just like one little example of things we could be doing the whole weekend. But yeah. Okay, and uh, and if people want to join the retreat, they can get the info at your website. Yep, it'll be that's correct. And there's a process. We have a an interview process to make sure that you're a good fit. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, we're gonna wrap up with a question that we ask every single one of our guests. What is one thing you wish every human being on the planet knew right now? Oh wow. Hmm. I wish every human on the planet in this moment could take a breath and know that in this moment they are profoundly okay and that in this moment they are safe if they take a breath and access the resource of grounding themselves with a breath. Yeah. Awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. It was a real pleasure speaking with you today. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the future. And if uh, you're listening to this, uh, please head to uh, the website, check all the events out, you know, contact. Um, I totally, just in the few, you know, moments that we spent together, I feel already supercharged about, you know, all the things that you've discussed. So thank you so much for coming. Mm, It's been so fun and my pleasure. Thank you for having me.